Hi guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Billy Metcalf in the first episode of the Fantasy Inquirer podcast. Yeah, I've been told I should start this podcast for about five months now, but better late than never, right? So here I am, um, probably going to be doing this at least two times a week until the season starts, and then I'd like to bounce it up to maybe... uh, Three, possibly four nights if we can squeeze it out of there. I got my co-host Greg waiting in the wings. Um, He's going to bounce on next episode. We're probably going to do about a mid-draft analysis uh, late Friday night. Probably after round two and three get over. But um, I just wanted to come on here and talk to you guys a little bit about um, Fantasy Inquirer. And uh, the draft guy that I wrote from last year, which is kind of a bookend on the season, that I think will really help some of you guys. It's free at FantasyInquirer.com, but I'll just go over a couple bullet points with you guys. Um, I also wanted to go over my ADP draft article I wrote. I have about uh, two players from each position who I like their ADP better than the consensus at Fantasy Pros. Um, this is something I really like to do. It really helped me last year. It really helped a lot of people on the site. If you can identify, you know, matchups and players, players who, um, are greatly undervalued and take advantage of that, that helps you a lot. So we're going to go over that and then I'll go over, um, probably about five receivers and running backs for the rookie draft, but I'm not going to get too much into that because, The rookie drafts tomorrow, you know, and by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be already over and nothing will be relevant. So I really won't dig too much into that. We'll probably leave most of that to uh, Friday night when the first three rounds are in the books and we can talk more about that. But I just want to talk to you guys about this uh, draft guide I wrote for last year um, or a few months ago about last year. It's greatly relevant to this year um, with a few key points, um, you know, changing, obviously the names, but uh, some of the points that I'll just highlight real quick for you guys are uh, identifying running backs. I feel like this helped me probably the most um, out of anything that I've dug into, and uh, you want to find running backs that you don't want. I always say that I never want to be out of a player completely, unless it's Odell Beckham, who I haven't drafted for two years. But that's beside the point. But uh, you want to identify running backs by going back, and what helps me a lot is by going back in the fantasy calculator. And um, what really helped me was uh, I looked last year at the year prior at ADPs uh, for running back who were going in the top, six or seven rounds, and uh, I, I found DeMarco Murray was going at the 202, J.H.I. the 203, Isaiah Crowell the 306, Bilal Powell 501, Amir Abdullah 506, Rob Kelly 607, Paul Perkins 711, and um, I just sort of looked at the, this, this has to happen in, you know, late July, mid-August, there has to be some ADP and some actual drafts run, so you can't just run it out here you know, in the next month or two, you got to kind of wait on it, but you know, some ADP will start to develop and there'll be running backs who you just 
don't look right and you know aren't going to be right on their team, you know, they're not going to be they're not going to be the starter for long. So you just look at them and you say, why am I going to draft those players? And a few guys who really helped me last year when I identified them uh, were Kenyon Drake, Alex Collins, and Jay Ajay. They were three running backs that were going within the top four rounds in PPR, maybe five. But uh, Kenyon Drake was the only guy who finished near his ADP. Uh, he finishes running back 14, but, you know, if he had 10 points less, he would have been running back 20. And um, Alex Collins, he was right behind Drake and ADP. He finishes the running back 44. He actually lost his job midseason. And then Jay Ajay, he was right there. He finishes the running back 77. He obviously got hurt, but, I mean, when he was healthy, he was horrible. Um, I identified those three guys and I didn't want them. Their third and fourth round price tags were too rich. They didn't look right to me. So I just straight up faded them. And instead of getting those guys at those rounds, I usually waited for rounds 7 through 12. And I was picking guys like Treat Cohen, James White, Chris Carson, and Nick Chubb. You know, Cohen was the RB13 at the end of the year. James White was the RB8. Chris Carson was the RB18, and um, Nick Chubb was the RB15. And all those guys I got between the 7th and 13th round, you know. And in the meantime, when I wasn't drafting those guys who I mentioned before, Drake, Collins, and Ajay, I was loading up on receivers or I was loading up on tight ends, you know. Um, it's just a strategy that I think people, you know, I, I know a couple people have this strategy. I'm not the only one. And it's not hard to do. You just basically look at ADP and, you know, information that already came in and just say that doesn't look right, you know. It's a feel thing, too. But, I mean, you know, there's all sorts of ways of doing it. But we'll dig, dig into a lot more of that as we go on. Um, watching for changing off-season situations. I talked about how last year I looked at Tyler Lockett. How many years were we waiting for Tyler Lockett to have a chance? How many years? Three years. Okay, he got injured one, one time, or for one year, so probably two years strong. Okay, so um, Paul Richardson and Jimmy Graham suddenly get traded, and it frees up 16 touchdowns for Seattle. Okay. I put two and two together, and I figured there's going to be, you know, some positive regression coming Tyler Lockett's way. And uh, I even had him penciled in before the Doug Baldwin, uh, you know, training camp debacle injury. He may miss a few weeks. He might not miss a few weeks. He's coming back. He's back. Um, you know, I had him pinpointed as a guy just because the situation changed. You know, when situations change, you want to take advantage of them. Another guy was Tariq Cohen. His situation changed. John Fox went out to the Brontos, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex, uh, Brontosaurus graveyard. They sent him off packing. And Matt Nagy came in from the heavens with his system from Kansas City. And we knew he was going to fire balls to Cohen. You know, not that John Fox didn't, 
I mean, he caught 53 balls as a rookie under John Fox, but it was just so obvious that he was going to catch, you know, at least 20 more balls. It was just, you know, he caught 70. So that's 17 more than under John Fox. But the games were a lot bigger, you know. Uh, I, I He was one of the other guys I targeted. And, uh, and another thing we'll talk about and look at is waiver wire com- complicity. Don't be complicit when it comes to the waiver wire. Fantasy football is crazy. Stuff happens. People get hurt. People get suspended. People get cut from the league. People get put in the commissioner's exempt list. This happens every year. And, um, you know, I, I heard stories. I didn't have these guys on many teams, but uh, I heard a story about a guy who had Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, and, J- and uh, James Conner going into week 11 or 12, I believe, right around the playoffs in, in uh, FFPC. And, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt gets suspended for his uh, elevator incident or whatever happened with that. Melvin Gordon goes down to an injury, and James Gordon goes down to an injury. And this guy lost three top ten running backs that week. Gone, you know? <laughs> so... It just it happens so fast. Uh, you know, an example for me is I had on a team Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, and Cooper Cup, and that was just tearing it up until, you know, week five or six when Cup tears his ACL and A.J. Green uh, gets banged up and just never comes back. But I was, you know, smart enough to uh, target Dante Pettis, a guy who I loved coming out of the draft, uh, he was just coming back from injury himself, and I picked him up, and he had an amazing, you know, four TD, three-game stretch that just kept me afloat for long enough to, uh, you know, hold my head above water, and he was great for me. Uh, you know, back to the uh, running backs story I told, you want to back up Melvin Gordon with Justin Jackson. You want to back up James Conner with Jalen Samuels. You know, you want to have your stud running backs handcuffed. That's a philosophy I'll never, ever understand people not doing. You know, I can see if it's Marshawn Lynch or Jordan Howard's handcuffed this year. You know, just some bottom-of-the-barrel, top, you know, last couple round running back who you're going to take, who's the last starter. You don't want their handcuffs, but you do want the stud running backs handcuffs because they're in great systems. Look what happened when James Conner went out. You know, Jalen Samuels was great. And I picked him up a lot of places, and I know a lot of other people did, and they rode him when James Conner missed time. Justin Jackson was another guy who flashed when uh, Melvin Gordon was down. It was great. Draft pageantry is something else I want to talk about. The grading of your draft when a draft is over. It should never be taken seriously, ever. This seems to be getting worse every year. I had multiple people this year who I helped draft teams for and gave advice to. They come to me after their drafts and, you know, send me a screenshot or, oh my God, oh my God, I'm gonna, they're gonna see minus in my Yahoo draft, oh my God. Uh, what am I going to do? You know, I'm like, 
that's that you didn't win your draft just because of the grade that they registered for you. I had to assure them and calm them down <laughs> that that doesn't mean anything. It's not the end of the world. It truly amazed me how uncomfortable people have gotten and uh, when this happens, when the grades generated at the end of the draft. I don't, I, I've never taken it seriously. Some of the best teams I've ever gotten, I've had the worst grades. I mean, I've had teams that, that got C's, got 50, 55% chance of making the playoffs that just ran the table. I've had, you know, it's almost, I don't want to say it is, but it's almost the worse the draft grade is sometimes, the better your team is. It's sort of a running joke. But that's something else that just bothers me, and I don't think you should ever... I see people doing mock drafts trying to pump up their grades for when they do the real draft. You know, they want that player. But these are all projections built by other players, and they're wrong too. The experts are wrong. They're wrong all the time, you know? So I don't subscribe to that. Um, Another thing that I want to talk about is just being yourself in general when you're drafting. This is something that, uh, you know, I was guilty of as anybody, uh, relying on experts instead of doing your own research or, you know, watching players with your own eyes and going with your instincts. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what a tout or a player, one of the big guys, you know, who does fantasy football rankings says, that player could, you know, totally suck, and he doesn't care. He sometimes you have to go with your gut. This is your team. Don't listen to everything that anybody says when you're doing your fantasy team. Never be pinned down by a few spots of ADP just because people say it's not the right time to pick the player. If you want to take Mike Evans ahead of Odell Beckham, do it. Just because the ADP this year says he should be 11th pick overall and uh, Odell should be the fourth pick. It doesn't matter. Just do it. If that's how you feel, go for it. I want to bounce off uh, some ADPs who I love this year so far. Uh, I got two players from each position I want to talk to you guys about. And um, basically, I con- contrasted my Fantasy Inquirer rankings with the Fantasy cal- Calculator to uh, kind of get this exercise going. And the first guy we have right off the bat is James White. And it looks like we're going right back to the no respect James White well in 2019. Because I think people continuously forget, despite watching it twice in the Super Bowl, that he's an elite fantasy asset. And we finally got to see that on full display last year, watching him put up 87 receptions for 751 yards and 7 touchdowns. That's quite a receiving line. That's like a top 30 receiver. And uh, he, you know, he put up 425 yards on the ground and 5 touchdowns. Do I think the touchdowns will regress next year? Yeah, maybe. You can get a few extra touchdowns shaved up. But uh, for the ADP that he has currently, he's going as the uh, RB26 in PPR drafts. Running back 26. Uh, this is ahead of, guy, ahead of Kerryon Johnson, uh, 
Darius Geis, Lindsey, or Chris Carson. Oh, I'm sorry, those guys are going ahead of him. So those guys are going ahead of James White, which I don't agree with in my rankings at all. These are PPR rankings. Um, so I, James White, I have him as RB18, and I uh, think that's where he's going to settle for me. Uh, Naheem Hines is my other running back I got here. And I know some of you Marlon Mack guys are shaking your heads right now. But I don't care because I absolutely love Hines at the ADP yes, this season. And it helps that I don't trust that Mack can actually play a full season without getting hurt. I do like Mack, but uh, I just don't trust him. I just don't trust him at all. Hines seems to be getting zero buzz for a guy who caught 63 passes last season. Let's look at Tariq Cohen, another guy we talked about earlier. He only caught 53 passes in his rookie season. So that's 10 more passes just to show how great of a year Hines really did have in his rookie year. So I definitely see him building on his rookie season in the Colts offense in 2019. He's the type of player that you want in PPR because he gives you a nice consistent floor of 8 to 12 points per week with upside. I have him as the uh, running back 31. The fantasy calculator has him all the way at the running back 45. So there's a big gap there, and I think that's mainly due to uh, the recency bias of uh, Marlon Mack in the playoffs. People think he's just going to be a big battling ram. They're not going to bring, you know, no more passes to Hines, which they didn't do in the playoffs. I had Hines on a on the uh, league in the playoffs. He didn't catch any passes. But that doesn't worry me going into 2019. Um, another receiver. Let's go back to the receivers uh, right now, the two I like. Um, number one here is D.D. Westbrook. And this could change with the draft. This, these are pre-draft ADP uh, rankings I like. So I've heard a lot of rumblings. The Jaguars could draft another receiver. I don't know where they'll put him because I already have five receivers right now. But uh, I like him as a guy who you can get in later rounds. A lot like I did last year. I loved him last year. And, uh, yeah, we know how that turned out with Bortles. So... <laughs> The big difference is he has a competent NFL quarterback, you know, with Nick Foles throwing on pa passes. So this has to help a lot, right? Um, Westbrook is the most talented receiver on the team, I believe, other than Marquise Lee, who's attempting to come back from ACL surgery. I just believe that Westbrook, his slot play is great. And you know who loves the slot? Nick Foles. So Westbrook caught the third most passes in the league last year out of the slot. And I think this is going to be an awesome compliment to Nick Foles. I have him as receiver 41, sorry. And uh, Fantasy Calculator has him as a receiver 49. So it's not too far off, but I think he's going to be the number one in Jacksonville. And he'll obviously, if he's a number one and, you know, he gets more targets and stuff, He'll easily surpass wide receiver 41. Got to remember this guy had a great college career also. Our other receiver is Tyler Lockett. Back on the list of no respect again. Um, it just seems another year people just don't believe in him. They're giving him some respect, but uh, wide receiver 28 in the rankings is where they have him. 
I have him uh, all the way up at wide receiver 18, which, uh, you know, I think I could even go maybe a little higher on that. I maybe sneak him down to 15 because I believe that Tyler Lockett is locked in with Russell Wilson. And if his targets go up anywhere near 90 or 100, he will have a huge bump from last year. He had 70 targets last year. 70 targets, and he had um, a 70-57-10 line. 57 receptions and 10 touchdowns. So, yes, that's a historic pace. We all know. Maybe a little fluky, but maybe not. I, I, just, I think that him and Russell Wilson just have such a good rapid report going on that he... Unless they draft a receiver this weekend, Tyler Lockett's a guy who I'll have, again, on a lot of teams this season. Um, let's go to a tight ends here. Trey Burton. Um, <laughs> I was saying the Eminem song, Forgot About Dre, except Forgot About Trey. <laughs> it's like nowadays, everybody want to talk? Yeah, you got it. Forgot About Trey Burton. Last year, everyone was talking about Trey Burton. This year, nobody's talking about Trey Burton. Uh, for the life of me, I can't figure out why people are leaving him for dead this year. He finishes a tight end eight last season. Only 13 points behind being the uh, tight end six. So he was close to being the top five tight end. Uh, the hate for this guy is ridiculous. He still has a top three target. Of He still is a top three target probably even top two. We'll say that maybe Allen Robinson and uh, Anthony Miller are ahead of him. Maybe Miller. That's probably borderline. So he's probably still the number three, number two in uh, Mitchell Trubisky's radar in that Bears offense. And, you know, with the second year and another, uh, you know, another offseason camp together, I think that this, uh, you know, this connection can grow. And we obviously saw how bad it was without Trey Burton in the playoff game with uh, Adam Shaheen out there running around looking like he's stepping in quicksand. So, uh, <laughs> Adam Shaheen, guys, let's, uh, let's pump the brakes here. I, <laughs> I, I don't think he's coming for Trey Burton's job anytime soon. Um, I have Burton as a tight end eight where he finished last year. And uh, Fantasy Calculator and them have him as a tight end 13. So not too far, but still out of the top 10. Um, my other tight end is David Njoku. Uh, Njoku is uh, really taking a beating from Fantasy Experts this year because of the, uh, you know, ascendance, the arrival of Odell Beckham. He's going to suck all his targets away and, just put David uh, Njoku in the line for blocking as a blocking tight end. Um, I think the two main problems with that is, one, uh, Baker Mayfield spreads the ball to everybody. And I don't think he's just going to key on Odell constantly like some people do. Uh, the other is Odell Beckham's health. He's played four season, seasons in the league, and he's missed 22 games in those four seasons. So over a full season, I expect Njoku to do pretty much the same as last season where he finishes a tight end nine. Um, I think he'll have more upside 
we have him as a tight end eight. Well, a fantasy calculator has him as a tight end ten. Um, I would actually have him. Uh, I actually thought they'd have him lower than uh, tight end ten. So it was a pleasant surprise to see that, but it just shows that uh, despite some of the big fantasy guys and stuff talking him down, people are still taking him at a pretty high clip, I guess. Um, some of the quarterbacks, uh, we'll, we'll just touch on this briefly. Jameis Winston, um, I love him again this year. I've loved him last year. It's like, uh, it's like Brokeback Mountain. I just can't quit Jameis Winston. Uh, we have been in our rankings as the uh, QB4, just behind the big three. Um, I think uh, a lot of this has to do with uh, our guy um, Bruce Arians coming to town. I think it was a gift from God to the Buccaneers. He's like the uh, quarterback whisperer. I think he's really going to take Jameis under his wing. And uh, I mean, he came out of retirement for this. So I think he's definitely gonna, gonna, you know, take him under his wing, and he's gonna finally be the quarterback. I think we all think he can. I mean, QB four. I mean, who would be surprised if Jameis finishes like top five QB this year? I don't think anybody would. He's throwing to uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard. Still has Cameron Brait, target monster in the end zone. You know, he has great weapons. And they added Brashard Perriman. I know they lost to Sean Jackson and Chris Humphreys. But I still think that all the weapons are there. And I heard that they could possibly be drafting a running back. So I think everything's there for him to have a big, big year under that Bruce Arians offense. My other uh, quarterback is Josh Allen. I have him as the QB 10, or the fantasy calculator, people have him as the QB 18. Um, I love Josh Allen this year because he was on fire to end the year last year. Weeks 12 through 16, he was the number two overall quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and all the other guys, Cam Newton. Um, it was crazy for me to see that from a player in the Bills. But uh, Allen proved he's a dual threat like Cam Newton. Uh, the offseason has been great, really good, to, really good to the Bills and Josh Allen. They signed John Brown, Cole Beasley, Andre Roberts. Um, they, they almost landed the big fish, Antonio Brown. I guess he was there for a day, right? But uh, that receiver core, I mean, that's a good receiver core. And all those guys are burners. John Brown, you know, he's going to be there uh with uh, Foster running downfield, catching bombs. I mean, this is good. You know, QB 10, I I might have to move him higher or lower. Like, honestly, serious. I think he's going to have that good a year. Finally, we'll go over some of the uh, pre-draft rookie picks. I'm not going to go over this at all, really, because by the time you listen to this, it's all going to be done or changed. But uh, my top five running back, I like Daryl Henderson, number one. I think he's going to be a PPR monster. Uh, some of the landing spots I've heard for him is possibly Oakland or Tampa Bay, which would be awesome. David Montgomery at Iowa State, uh, he could be a workhorse back, I believe, in the NFL. Number three, Josh Jacobs, he's the consensus number one. 
Um, you know, he split time with Damian Harris. He's an Alabama running back. He could be good, could be bad. I like him, but not as much as the other two. Miles Sanders, I thought he was great with his, uh, you know, when he actually got showcases here. He had to live in the shadow of Saquon Barkley for two years. And he's he's another guy who could be a three-down running back. And uh, my other number five running back, I keep going back and forth between Rodney Anderson and uh, Benny Snell and Devin Singletary. It's really a toss-up. I'd probably lean to Anderson right now. Uh, another wildcard running back I like is obviously Bryce Love. We all remember what he did in college. He uh, looked like he was going to be the number two to Saquon Barkley last year and uh, decided to go back to college, or maybe it was his junior, uh, sophomore year, I'm not sure. But uh, he went back to college and struggled all year and then tore his ACL in the end. And now he's talking about getting drafted in the sixth or seventh round. Still has knee pain, so we'll have to see about that. Uh, receivers, I do like Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. I think he's probably the safest. Uh, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. I watched him a ton uh, being in Illinois and Iowa. His upside is huge. Uh, DK Metcalf, I love his last name, obviously. I think <laughs> I think he... Uh, He's obviously the highest upside possibly. I don't care about his slower cone drill than Tom Brady. Um, A.J. Brown, old Miss. A lot of people think he's the most polished. Metcalf's teammate. Uh, number four, number five, I like Paris Campbell. I think he's a Percy Harvin comp. PPR guy catches a lot of passes. So that's how I'd pick that. Uh, tight ends, Hawkinson and Fant. I personally like Fant better than Hawkinson. Um, but I'm not going to go over that too much, but, uh, just wanted to get this in here so I can actually submit it to iTunes so we can start doing these podcasts regularly when, uh, I hook up with Greg here on Friday and hopefully we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening guys. Bye.